Hey, what's up, everyone? Chris Manning here from the Lockdown Cavs podcast. We got a special guest today. It's Lockdown Bucks host and, and ESPN Australia New Zealand's Kane Pittman. Segment one, what kind of prospect is Luke Travers? Segment two, what does the NBL offer Luke Travers for development? And segment three, how does he move forward as a prospect? Let's get into it. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Kane, thanks so much for coming on to talk about Luke Travers with me. This, um, this, uh, this. I, I want to ask you to start. Were you surprised he was drafted? Uh, a little bit, yeah. And this is interesting. You've got a locked on Bucks host to talk about uh, a uh, what I would say it was like an outside draft prospect leading into the night, but. I mean- uh, I, <laughs> I've covered him. I've covered well, him the well, last the, few years. Here, here's the thing. I, I DM'd you like, uh, when they drafted him, I think pretty immediately. It was like, yeah. here's, here's like one of the few people from Australia yeah. that I know. And uh, we eventually got to talking about it. And you also, for context, you cover the NBL in a fair amount for ESPN, Australia, New Zealand. And he, I mean, look, I, I hate to, I hate that I did this to you, but you're the Australian that I know. So I asked the Australian that I know to come through <laughs> and, and talk about uh, the Australian the Cavs have drafted with me. Uh, it, it does make perfect sense, though. But to your question, uh, perhaps a little bit surprised, although I think as we've seen uh, the process play out and we know that Luke is going to be playing uh, back in Perth this season and back in Australia... Uh, I think it does make more sense. And for a Cavs team that they're on the rise, we believe, uh, they've got a bunch of young players. I think a guy like Luke that clearly uh, has development still left in him. And it's been a little bit of a strange two seasons playing, uh, certainly here in Australia, we can get into that. Uh, it makes a little bit more sense because I do think long-term, he does project as the type of guy that every team kind of wants. Uh, so I'm sure we'll get into that. Yeah, I talked to some people about him when he got drafted, and there was a little bit of surprise just because athletically he's not like he doesn't jump off out of the gym. Like he plays at his own pace. That was one of the things that was very apparent with him in summer league. It's kind of clear that he also, from talking to people and just seeing what he had to say about himself as well and his media availability, he's physically not there yet. Like he's still got some room to grow in terms of how strong he can be. Um, his ability to just kind of hang and be full through an 82 game season. I mean, people maybe not always realize this, but like the schedule for other leagues around the world, and let's say specifically here the NBL in Australia, it's different. Like it's not, you know, some you're not playing four games in a week. Like the the grind on your body is just different in the NBA than it is other places. And he's, I think, for the expectation from the Cavs side is that it's going to take him some time to get there. In in terms of Kane what he is as a prospect and, and where he is as he gets as he is drafted and be, kind of becomes known to the American basketball audience. Is he like, what kind of prospect is he considered in Australia? Like what, what is the, the kind of the view on him from the people that have maybe seen him play for a couple of years or heard his name now for a couple of years and aren't just, didn't just hear it randomly on, on, dra- on a draft night in June. Yeah. So he was a, a player that 
uh, people sort of had their eyes on for a number of years. And even I had a conversation early last season with Jonathan Gavoni, the, the draft expert that certainly knows a lot more about prospects than I do. And he said that Travis has been on his radar uh, for a number of years through national team, uh, you know, World Cups and those types of things that he played uh, with Australia. But he really came to prominence in the 2021 uh, NBL season, so the season before last. Uh, he was a development player, so coming into the season, it was fair enough to assume that he wasn't going to play a lot. Uh, he was able to forge a rotation on a Perth Wildcats team that is incredibly successful every single year, plays in the postseason, and they actually lost their star player right before the playoffs. And that was when Luke Travis, that was when the buzz really began because he stepped into a pretty major role, a pretty significant role, took on more of the ball handling responsibility, the facilitation, more scoring in the postseason. And stood up really, really well. And everyone was like, well, that's really interesting and perhaps not what people expected uh, from him that season. So last year, everyone thought that he was going to be a star. I'm not necessarily sure that this is the type of guy that he projects to be because he is someone that just does most things really, really well. And, and again, when I talk about, you know, when you talk about connectors or glue guys or players that professional teams they all want them and they all need them and unselfish guys that are willing to do all the little things. Uh, he was, he was again, that guy uh, for Perth this season played over 20 minutes per game. Again, as a really young player on a team that was, that was good. That's kind of rare in this league. We've only really seen guys like, like Josh Giddy, LaMelo Ball, these top, top prospects that have played sort of significant roles like that. So he had another pretty solid season if you were expecting him to come out, come out and be a 20-point-per-game scorer, you probably were looking at the wrong guy or expecting uh, different things than what I did. But I, again, I thought he had a pretty good season. Uh, and he was probably on the outside looking in, but as a draft and stash guy, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, well, let's, we'll get in, a, in the second segment to the NBL and mm-hmm. into Perth and that situation. So. I mm-hmm. and others can understand it better, but I, it's interesting. The connector piece and the not star piece is also like what he said about himself, which I think is so. Look, sometimes that's very rare in guys that are twenty. Like right. they think higher of themselves, they have higher aspirations, and he was like, "I want, I'm, I consider myself to be like a Joe Ingles type," and that also could be maybe a little bit of let me explain myself to these Americans via this mm-hmm. Australian right. that they can very much like. There could be some of that there. I'm not, I'm not gonna like write that off as a thing, but you like you watched him play in summer league, and it was okay. This guy's not gonna shot hunt for himself. He's gonna play at his own pace. He's gonna move the ball. He's gonna defend. Like you, you can see that template very much there. And okay, like I look at that, and even if this isn't like I understand, maybe like people want higher upside swings, and I think a lot of teams do that as well. I can like understand how if you say this isn't a play for right now, but this is the kind of guy that in two years, let's say, we can maybe bring over and he can look good and compete, and and this is the kind of thing every team needs. I kind of don't hate like that template of a guy is is a guy you kind of roll a dice on if it's going to be a draft and stat situation. It's not like they had the roster room anyway. It's not like there's anyone that maybe is like meaningfully better really even available here. It just seems like a smart play and a guy who could be a smart basketball player that seems to be that the rationale on on what travers picking travers i think his floor is pretty high and this is something that i've uh and when i say that in terms of again if you're talking about an nba role player like i, I think that that i think that's a legitimate you know possibility for this guy that he comes in and becomes a guy that uh, you can play every night and let's be honest if if you're a contending team which the Cavs hope that they will be over the next couple of years, the next three to four seasons, moving into that upper echelon in the East. Uh, every team that is contending 
ultimately needs guys, whether they're coming off the bench or that sort of fourth or fifth starter, that they can just rely on every single night. And he mentioned a guy like Joe Ingles. Now, that would be an incredible, a pretty incredible scenario if he gets to you know sort of peak Joe Ingles, yeah. uh, particularly from a shooting perspective. But uh, again, his awareness and willingness to the last two seasons do everything that he needed to do to help that team win uh, without trying to do too much, understanding that he was on the sort of fringe of the draft process. And he still didn't worry. He understood that, okay, if I do these things, NBA teams, if they're drafting late in the second round, if, you, if you're picking someone up, pick 56, the chances of you getting an all-star, they're pretty low. But if you get a guy that ultimately becomes an NBA role player, that's incredible value late in the second round. So, uh, it's not to say there isn't more development left in him because I think there clearly is. You mentioned physically, um, we've spoken about the shooting. And I just think on this year's Perth team, uh, as you said, we'll talk about it in the second segment, but I think in this year's Perth team, again, you're going to see his numbers go up. He played 10 minutes per game uh, in the 2021 season. That went up to 20 plus. He's going to be a 25 minute per night guy uh, playing in the NBL this season. And I think if you're the Cavs, the, M- the NBL has become a development ground in the development league and i think it's clearly better for him to be playing big minutes on a on a good nbl team than uh, potentially just sitting on the bench uh, in the nba yeah or even i think the question i i think we'll, we'll ask in segment two or i'll ask is is this better than mm-hmm. let's say a season in the g league and i tend to think it probably is all right after the break we'll talk about the nbl talk about the Perth wildcats what Traverse situation is there but first going to tell everyone about our friends at bet online betonline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in and all your betting needs find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds lines and games find reviews and news of every league including major league baseball the nfl nba nhl combat sports esports and even golf BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Right now, for example, the Cavs are minus 125 to finish with fewer than 44 wins and minus 105 to finish with more than 44 wins. And over in the Defensive Player of the Year race, Evan Mobley is plus 1,600 to win the award next season. So there are other Cavs lines if you're interested in other Cavs-related things. There's Bucks line. There's other NBA futures. There's everything at BetOnline. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, back here on Lockdown Cavs with Kane Pittman from Lockdown Bucks from ESPN Australia and New Zealand. Kane, if I was asking, I'm asking you as an outsider, someone who has, you know, watched the Lamelo clips, watched the Giddy clips, now done the the Travers deep dives and and seen clips here and there. For someone who understands the league the way you do, what is the competition level in the NBL like right now, and and what is that? What kind of situation is is Travers in as far as what kind of competition? Yeah, the is last going three against? or four years, it's. It's risen astronomically. And I remember to the point, and I was based in Milwaukee from around 2017 through to the pandemic, basically. And before I moved to uh, Milwaukee, I I didn't watch the NBL. I was just like, I I don't need to watch this league. Uh, And while I was over in the US, more and more people started to ask about the NBL. And you take more notice. And then when I've came back, even in this two to three seasons, uh, it's it's a really high quality uh, competition that is non uh, NBA, and I think the best way to look at uh, how the NBA views players that are developed in the NBL is to just purely look at 
the draft prospects that have come out of there. Now, I already mentioned LaMelo Ball. He was highly rated, but his prospects did go up by playing in the NBL. Josh Giddy Josh certainly uh, rose in the draft ranks as uh, Usman Jiang was a top uh, 11 pick this year in a draft. Even a guy like Jock Landau, who uh, was a little bit older, but that played in Melbourne. He went to the Spurs. Now he's with the Phoenix Suns. So there, I could keep going down the list. So I think if you looked at this a few years ago, would play, uh, would NBA teams be saying, okay, let's draft and stash a guy in Australia? We'd never really seen that before. But now teams are sitting back and saying, we feel super comfortable that we can draft this guy, send him to the NBL. He's going to be around uh, NBA quality coaches and NBA quality players, to be honest. Every team in the M- NBL basically has guys that have either played in the NBA, played in the G League recently. So yeah, it's a really high quality competition. And it's certainly not a league that, you know, a guy like Luke Travers at the age of 18, 19, when he first came into the league, you're just simply not going to dominate. When you spoke about the physical growth that he needs to go through, he's going to get that uh, playing in the NBL. So, yeah, it's 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 taken major steps in recent years. It's uh, It wants to strive to be on the same level as the G League, the top European leagues. That's really hard to compare, but I think the NBA eyes uh, are definitely on the NBL. Yeah, I, I think in terms of like the grind of the the season, in uh, frankly, also probably the money mm-hmm. part of it for Travers, particularly like he there was not a full roster contract available to him with the Cavs, and a lot of times I think if you get that fifteenth roster spot, whether it's Cleveland, Milwaukee, another bad a, a, a team that's bad like the Rockets or whatever. If you're the 15th guy, even you don't really always get the G League time. They don't. They keep you around uh, for yeah. depth. You don't get to play in the G League. Like the, it seems like he's part of the the thing here with him is he wants to play, and I kind of tend to favor that over him just getting to like sit around, you know, for a year. Like he's 20, he should be playing. So looking at Perth, I, I was when I did my quick Google searches to prep for this podcast. They have a new head coach, John Riley. I believe I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Uh, replacing Scott Morrison, what can you tell? What can you tell us about Perth? About this new head coach? What what is going on with the situation that Travers is going to find himself? Yeah, John in really uh, back in you'd say the prime of the NBL in Australia through the nineties. He was a superstar in this league, but he spent the last decade uh, coaching in the college system uh, in the US. So he's a, he's a highly experienced coach, uh, and now he comes to Perth this year. And Perth's in an interesting spot because prior to last season. Uh, they were the they were the Spurs of the NBL. They they'd made the postseason thirty five years in a row, and last year was the first season that they missed the the playoffs in that time. So there's been a bit of change with the with the club, but they're going to be really good. They they are consistently a, a super competitive team. So uh, Luke will be one of the prime defenders in this team. I expect that he's he's mostly come off the bench. Uh, I think that he'll start this season uh, for this team, and as I said, play at 25-plus minutes. And again, I would expect the numbers to go up. But if you look per 36 last year, he played around 22 minutes, uh, keeping in mind that NBL is only 40-minute games. You get the 10-minute quarters, the FIBA rules. Uh, but per 36 last year, was 13 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, a block and a steal uh, per game. And that's that, to me, is who Luke Travers is. Does a little bit of everything on both plays. We spoke about the athleticism. He doesn't play with his head above the rim. But he's pretty quick-footed. Like he, he will, he blocks well for his size. He's always in the passing lanes, uh, collecting steals and creating plays defensively. So I think if you're a Cavs fan, the best 
part about this is that he's always going to be playing meaningful basketball because Perth are a really good team. He'll probably be in the postseason. And to your point, I, I think that makes uh, a lot of sense for the Cavs. And the other point I would say is the NBL season, it's been a little bit different the last two years because of COVID has pushed the season back. Uh, but this year, the season is tipping off on October 1 uh, and it'll be done uh, by the end of February. So we have seen this a little bit in recent years and it probably depends where the Cavs are. They might be a little bit too good to consider this, uh, but uh, there is an option depending on you know, what the roster positions are like on the Cavs that he could also come uh, over to the US for the back end of the season as well, which again, we've seen with some players recently. Yeah, I, w- I wonder, like, honestly, what the, I don't know, but like, I kind of wonder what the league rules would be, even if he like couldn't be signed to a contract. If it's like, hey, your season's done. I wonder, like, I, I almost think I'm going to have to ask someone now if, if it's like legal, if, like, let's say they play until then he's healthy, maybe takes two weeks off and right. like goes on vacation or something, or even doesn't. He's young, he can handle it. You know, it's not like he at <laughs> like 30 who's like ready to just like curl up into a That's ball right. after doing anything. Could he like come to this to the states for a couple weeks and like train? Then is that is that like a legal path? Because that would that would also make a ton of sense. Even if he just comes then and is like around because they have his rights. But like, I wonder if that's like considered tampering or something. Not that they really enforce tampering all that much, but like, <laughs> well, I guess they did for the for the team you cover, the Bucks. But like in most cases, they don't usually cover tampering, and then it's like second round pick, whatever. But yeah, I wonder like how that I wonder how that would work because like. I, I think there was interest in having him come to camp. It seems like they wanted him to come to camp, and but it was also like we can't like guarantee we're going to give you a roster spot. I think it it's pretty clear that he like went back and is going to prioritize playing, which which I think makes a ton yeah, of sense. I, I think it's just also the clash with with probably the seasons. Like if he goes to training camp in the NBA, you're missing the first few weeks of the of the season over here. So probably it probably didn't make a lot of sense timing wise if he wants to play. Because uh, I know a lot of these teams, they're starting their training camp literally uh, next week. or probably yeah. about a month ahead of where the NBA is. Yeah, he spent like three weeks, or something, excuse me, like three months in the U.S. or something in, in L.A. before the draft. So like, I don't think he'd been home in a mm-hmm. while, and I think he probably also just, it seemed like he wanted to like go home and, and decompress. All right, after the break, we're going to talk about the developmental plan for Travers. What's next for him, the things he needs to work on, and perhaps what a reasonable time for him to come over would be. That's coming up next. All right, last segment here with Kane Pittman, Locked on Bucks, NBA Australia, New Zealand. Kane, I wanna I wanna start with the shooting part of his game because to me, this isn't like new this isn't unique to him. This is unique to I think a lot of wings now. The shooting thing is gonna really raise to ceiling or, or lower it, I think, because he has a lot of the skills that you could say this guy could play three four for us. He can be a really good defender for us. If he if he's like what twenty five percent I think from three last year nothing great like pretty low if it could get up to thirty five percent then that's a big leap but if it could get there if he can become a comfortable shooter that feels to me like the thing where he goes from like pretty interesting all around guy who like maybe you have to find a unique role for to a guy that clicks a little bit more to a guy that has a much clearer path to this right like that that seems to me to be the swing skill for Travers when I'm looking at when I'm looking at him and have watched him and have looked at his numbers is that track to you when I yeah when I, I think say your that. first point is is great because uh, I always feel like a bit of a fraud like if I'm talking about prospects and and people are like what does he need to do and I'm like well he needs to work on his shot because you're right if for guys that that is often the difference between <laughs> yeah. being an NBA player or being a really high quality international player and um, which to be honest he already is uh, the thing I I like or liked last season 
from Travis. And I'm not sure. I don't have the numbers in front of me from Summer League. I, I think he knocked down a couple of threes, but I'm not sure where he was at or if you noticed this. Uh, but the thing that stood out to me last year was uh, two seasons ago, he was at around 0.8, three-point attempts per game. Probably pretty reluctant to get them up. Last year, it went up to 2.5 per game, uh, which again, like he, he's only playing 20 minutes per game. That's that's a significant jump. But the thing that I liked is that some of the threes that he made, and I remember specifically a couple of games where it's really late in the fourth quarter, really tight games against really good opposition, and he would take and make the shots. And it was almost this weird situation where it felt like the threes that he was hitting always came in big moments, which I think is significant uh, because we've obviously seen players before that aren't necessarily consistent jump shooters, so they're reluctant to shoot, uh, which isn't the case with him. Uh, And it does remind me a little bit of Josh Giddy the season before, and I know you mentioned the Ingles thing. I don't want to be making lazy comparisons, but uh, Giddy was the same. His shooting was, and, and LaMelo Ball for that fact. I mean, these guys these guys were not consistent shooters. It was a big question mark coming into the league, but they were willing shooters. And I, I think that that, I think that is, is almost as important uh, uh, because you feel like if they're willing to work, they're willing to allow themselves to fail in games, uh, then you have faith that the development will come. So I don't think his shot necessarily looks bad. And as I said, he did hit some big ones through the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. Giddy, I just looked it up, was like four, mm. four and a half threes per game last year. Like, that's yeah. just willing to let it go. Uh, they just hired Chip Engelin, so, like, they just hired okay. maybe the greatest three-point shooting coach of all time in Oklahoma City, so so good for Giddy. He's probably going to maybe figure that out then. But, yeah, that that I when I when I check in on Travers this year, the thing will be, like, is he, is he shooting? Because, like, watching him at Summer League, Kane, like, I was really, really impressed mm-hmm. by pretty much everything else. Like, very aware very much like comfortable at his own pace, very much willing to move the ball and try to make passes. And like you saw him get beat physically sometimes. You saw him have a strength disadvantage at times that you can just say like this guy needs like time in the weight room, time to like grow into his frame and get bigger because he is he's pretty slender right now. But like everything else, it's like this guy feels like he kind of understands how to play and it's not going to be a concern of, okay, like can he like learn how to like – like, there's so many prospects, it feels like, where it's like, okay, can this guy, like, learn how to dribble? Can this guy learn how to, like, pass at a competent level or, or whatever? I, it doesn't feel like that's going to be the issue with Travers. It just feels like, how egg, how well-rounded can he get? How, like, how much can he, like, smooth out the edges to his game as he gets bigger? And also, like, what does the shooting look like? And if the shooting, like, pans out at all, it's like... There, there's a there's a dude waiting to be had there. Whether it you know whether it's with the Cavs, whether he has like a great international career in some way, like there's a path, there's a very clear path to me when I watch him to say like this guy should just be a pro for a long time, and that ceiling just gets higher and higher if, if he hits some. Yeah, I think it's interesting with guys uh, that come across for summer league, and it's always the case, and we've all watched enough summer league that sometimes you see guys that are, you know. They're trying super hard and they're trying to stand out. They're trying to do things because they want to show out. And this is extremely meaningful for their career. So I always understand why that's the case. But I always always notice guys that just play the way they play. And to me, when I watched Travis playing with the Cavs, I was like, All right, this is a guy that's just playing basketball. Like this, he's playing the exact same way that he played in the NBL. He's not trying to do too much. And some of those interviews were interesting. I think you're right. I think part of it was him trying to explain the way he plays. And there was probably parts of him that wanted to have more on the box score or produce more stats. And there was probably some things that he would like to change. But ultimately, I think what you saw at Summer League 
hopefully that we continue to be development as a scorer and a passer and those types of things. But I think you saw a lot of Luke Travis of what we've seen here in the NBL and what I expect to see this season. He's just a really solid basketball player across the board. Let's head on this. What is to you a reasonable time for him to come over? You mentioned the possibility, okay, the season ends before the NBA season ends. Maybe there's a roster spot. Maybe there's a need. He could come over then. Is there a time frame otherwise, whether it's that or something else that makes sense to you as far as when he might make sense? I think it ultimately depends. And I've spoken as much as I've just spoken about how much of a a role guy is and he does bits of everything. I think it does depend on where his scoring goes this season. Uh, Does he become a guy that Perth can rely on more to score? Can he be not necessarily a go-to guy, uh, but can he push that scoring up to sort of that 15 point range, which for the NBL again, 40 minute games um, is a, is a pretty, pretty substantial mark because I think if you're the Cavs uh, as much as I've said that the NBL is an improving league, you kind of want to see some, you want to see some dominant games from Luke Travers, I think this year uh, to then have the confidence to say, okay, well, look, you'll come back. Let's do summer league again next season. And then let's bring you to training camp and see if you can be with the team. So I think another season with the Wildcats makes sense. It's uh, it'll be basically his third full season in the league. Uh, there will also be no disruptions. It's been so weird. Last year, they were on the road for, uh, I think, two months straight because they couldn't get back to their home state because of COVID restrictions the year before the season was starting and stopping and starting over and over, like a lot of leagues. So you know, hopefully this year, there's just some normalcy to what the league is trying to get through the schedule as well, which I think will help him. So uh, I think if we can take a next step in terms of being – close to a star for this Wildcats team this year in the NBL. I could see him being a training camp next year. Yeah, I, I think that's the timeline, not even just for, for that for you outline, but I think also from the Cavs from Rothschild's perspective, like Jetty Osmond's contract's up, Levert's contract's mm-hmm. up, Dylan Windler's contract's up. Like they're going to have guys coming off the books and have a need for someone who's like a cost-effective, perhaps yeah. useful player. And like he would make some sense. And it's also a still a development play. If he comes over next year, he's still 21 years old. He, he can come over then, and there's still time to develop. You could put him down in the G League at times if you needed to that year. But then there's also pro- – I would I would say – and I, I, this is like a question that like I th- maybe it would be interesting to ask Ingles like in retrospect, but the Cavs have talked about like getting Travers like in the weight room and getting him on like a more American-style lifting program. That's one of the things that when you ask them about him that they've said. I wonder if – like so obviously that's not saying you can't like lift in Australia, but you can, <laughs> but – one of the things it's like, I wonder if they would like to get him in their program sooner rather than later to like mold his body in some way, because like that way they just have more over. Like there's a one that's not like a, something you like trade one of the guys now to clear roster spot to do that. And then obviously Travers seems to want to go back overseas. And I think that was the plan from the moment they drafted him, but there's that little factor. I wonder it's like, okay, when would they like to bring him over sooner rather than later? If they believe that there's a NBA player here, just because, they get him under their eye. They get him in their system. They get him training with them all the time, and they can help mold his body in the way they would want to instead of him having to figure it out on, on, kind of on yeah, his own. Yeah, that's why I wonder ways. if, uh, you know, the age factor, they just feel, okay, we think that there's something here, uh, but he's not quite ready. And I think that's fine. I think he would admit that as well. Go back to Perth, have a good season, because if you compare him to other Australian uh, guys that have gone to the NBA recently, I already mentioned Jock Landau and, but he was 25-26, and he played a few games last year, looked really competent at the level. Uh, another guy that 
is kind of an interesting comparison to uh, Luke Travis. He played uh, Jack White. He he went to Duke. I'm not sure if any of your listeners uh, remember Jack White. He didn't play a lot. Uh, but he went to Denver in Summer League, and they signed him to a two-way. So he's going to be in that system, whether or not he's playing NBA or whether he's playing G League. But again, he's 24. So I think the age difference, you know, definitely the Cavs probably feel like there's some time. But I would imagine by the time he gets to 21, his 22 season, to your point, I think it's like, okay, let's have a season with this guy uh, under our eyes every single day and, and see what we've got. So I, it makes total sense to me that they, they're happy for him to be over here for another year. But I think at some point, they'll, they obviously like him. They'll want to get a good look. Kane, thank you so much for coming through, talking about Luke Travers with me in the doldrums of the NBA offseason. Anything you got talking about on Locked on Bucks, any ESPN Australia, New Zealand stuff you want to plug? Any anything we should we should cover before we, well, we get look, out of here? Uh, as we your listeners probably uh, also believe, we're definitely on the path to uh, Bucks and Cavs uh, Eastern Conference Finals. So. <laughs> Darius Garland did say that he believes the Cavs can get there this year, so that, that, that maybe that's where they think they're at. I'm a little, a little unsure, a little unsure. I did just Google George Hill because I'm, I've been you thinking about back? George Hill lately, so that's that's where my brain's at. Nah, I, I I would rather have Delhi back just for vibes. The Delhi vibes were much higher than the George Hill vibes in terms of like me talking to him and covering a and how the how the vibes. It's funny were you say uh, mentioned Delhi as we as we wrap this up. It's funny you, you mentioned Delhi because the the one thing. I think I tweeted it or I definitely wrote about it uh, after the draft was, there's no surprise that the Cavs have looked at an Australian guy that does all the little things, will dive on the floor, it will play tough probably beyond his size and physical capabilities uh, given the history of the Cavs. It made some sense to me why they would want to bring in another guy like that. Yeah, they, he got asked about as you as you would expect. Sure. He got asked about Delhi like seven. It was like Ingles yeah. and Delhi like were the probably the yeah. two biggest questions he got asked. And he's like, ah, Delhi actually called me and like yeah. told me where to eat and stuff. And I, you know, whether that was lip service or not, at least like you know the, the plug came through. I actually had forgot sacrilegious of me as a Clevelander, but I'd forgotten about Delhi for a while. And then last year when that clip of him oh, getting absolutely dunked on went around, I was like, oh. Delhi, hey, you do. He's still there, yeah, still hanging he's, out. He's uh, good stuff. But you know, the thing we know about Delhi, he would he would try and block that shot again for some reason. Who knows? But he would do it. He would do it. He's willing to get on the poster. <laughs> Absolutely, dude. Dude drank so much coffee before a game. He had to get an IV <laughs> after. Uh, one of one, one of one of one uh, figure in in the league. Kane, it's gonna be a pleasure. We'll talk when we when we get NBA basketball back. Cavs Bucks will be fun this year. I'm very excited to watch. Year two Evan Mobley continue to try to guard Giannis and and that is a litmus test. Drew Holiday and, and Darius Garland. It will be fun. I I also like need juice. Do, do you like me need like two more months of like just calm before we get there? Or are you ready? Yeah, it's are you ready for some games? We've got uh, here in Australia. We've got the Women's World Cup coming up in just over a month, uh, and then that leads into the start of the Australian season, which leads into the NBA. So I've got about I've got about three weeks. Uh, left and then it's full swing for six months so let's uh let's enjoy this <laughs> yeah i i will that 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 will be how i'm feeling when i'm double dipping That's nba right. games and uh world world cup games exactly in right. like november when i'm like tr- 
plotting my NBA schedule versus like when I can watch like the various <laughs> World Cup games. Watch. All right, Locked On Cavs. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we're gonna Antonio Daniels will be on the Locked On NBA expert Antonio Daniels talking about Colin Sexton because that's still going on, and uh, Mark Schindler is gonna come on to talk about that as well because. It's late July, and Colin Sexton's literally the only thing going on there. Um, who knows what's going to happen there? Hopefully, he doesn't. I'm just, for my sakes, I hope he doesn't sign a contract before <laughs> I get those podcasts out because got to do some content. But until next time, I'm Chris. Thanks again to Kane for coming through, everyone. Be well.